Dangerous delivery towards the spot, it's in! And it's Pat Hooven, who else? Well, cutting in off the right side, has another shot! Oh! Shamrock Rovers. Here is Mandrews. That kind of position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrews! Well, ever since last Friday night, we've been absolutely buzzing for this show to talk about the five goal thriller in Tala. Shamrock Rovers 3, Dundalk 2, we had Jordan Flores, we had Jack Byrne, we had a near hurricane on the Saturday, we had the weekend that the League of Ireland has badly been waiting for to talk about all of this later on in the show. We don't have the Duchess and the Duke, we do have Pat Finlan, and before all of that, we have Dan. Good intro, yeah. John. How are you? Jack Byrne met them uh, in the Guinness Storehouse last night. I live right beside it. They could have, could have invited me or called up. No. It's very unlikely you would have got the shout for that, to be honest. Yeah. The royal family and the weasel, as he put it. That's a, that's a nice way of phrasing it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you know, he was probably already on a high after Friday and then he gets to like mingle with the, the great and the good, you know, yeah, of the world. She, uh, apparently she was like, I know you scored a nice goal, but uh, who's your man, Flores? Yeah, no, yeah. She didn't actually well, say it's, it. him. it's more so Jack saying, you think your family's characters, you know, <laughs> should come around and come out of my place um, and meet the whole I, I like the way Gary Ringrose is really respectful and Jack has the two hands in the pockets. What's the, what's the crack? Yeah, he's just, uh, he looks, mm. looks a bit starstruck, to be honest. Well, you know? do we need any more promotion of the League of Ireland after the week? Was Friday the biggest promotion the League of Ireland has ever had? I wouldn't go that far. Um, I think, Big, you know... Biggest? No, no. European runs, like, you know... Like I think Dundalk in 2016 and Shells with a Pat Fenn and later that's the biggest no chance right. no, no danger but I think for a uh, I think for a sort of a, a domestic match like for a league match or just uh, a goal it just really delivered like the goal was obviously amazing you know and that that added to it but even just coming away from the game on Friday and you do have these moments across the season where you, you you walk away and you're like oh god if it was only like this every week and I mean it's not that's unfortunately the reality but so often, and we spoke here, I think, in preview last week about it's early in the season, there's going to be a bit of shadow boxing, it's going to be cagey, they're going to... And, and it would be natural that that would be the case. Didn't want to show their hand. But it was just a combination of factors, an early goal, the elements, uh, just the way the game panned out. Maybe the fact that both teams, like, uh, you know, made mistakes, but, but that actually added to the game overall as an occasion. And we got the best of what there is in the country. Like, we still need other clubs to come with them. Um, but these top-of-the-table games in recent years, which we've had, like, they haven't always delivered. Like, the Dundalk-Cork rivalry was great, but the games, I don't think they delivered a game like that one in terms of Friday. And, like, it swung in, in several different directions. Um you know, the goal was obviously a bonus, but even just the entertainment, the fact that it wasn't just that, you know, that, that didn't just punctuate like a, you know, a 90 minute bore. Like it could have gone either way. I mean, I think Rovers probably deserved to win. And in saying that, uh, Dundalk could have equalised at the end. I mean, you know, Pico Lopez with a brilliant last ditch header. And yet that probably didn't even get mentioned in a lot of the match reports and, and you know, discussions of the game because so much else happened. So, it was brilliant. Like you just hope that I think mean, it's twenty fourth of the April is the next game, and you're circling that in the diary now. And I hope that this is like this lays down the template for their games this season. Now, I think to a degree it still shows how far the others are behind because I don't think there's other teams that could have. I don't think any of the other teams could have matched those levels probably on the night. And you know that's where we are. But I think looking the bright side of it, that you do have two like really good teams there. And a rivalry that I think has the potential to last. Because there was such a good atmosphere at the game as well, listening back. And I know Pat Fenlon will 
we'll talk about the, the teams below maybe being a long way behind, but um, what struck me thinking back was it was a lot like the cup final in ways in that in general play, Shamrock Rovers were comfortably superior, but in terms of chances, Dundalk like, had probably they, nearly they, as many they were, chances. They, 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 I don't think that superiority, like there was 25 minutes before half time where Dundalk were dominant, and I think that was the most dominant either team was in I the game at there, any then. point. No, they, 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 they got the goal and they, they were got the goal and they and even Stephen Bradley spoke about it afterwards that they had a really difficult 15 minutes or so. Aaron yeah. Green like missed a sitter that before was prior that. To that. That and, was prior to and that. They but, did I'm, have but I'm talking about after that. And mm. I think it's, it was that period coming up to half time. And I think I think that's the, in a bizarre way I think Rovers will take the most heart from it. And I think that's what Bradley said that like they were against the ropes. They were maybe sucker punched a bit by the goal and then Dalk were just turning the screw should have really scored, should have gone in ahead and didn't. And then, you know, things things turned. And there's no doubt, like, the, the second goal, the, the, the Huben goal came against their own play at that stage. You know, I think that Rovers were just gradually getting on top and they didn't panic again. I think that's what they will take from it. I think there was a couple, I mean, Rovers lost Joey O'Brien early on. I think Sean Gannon was, was struggling in the second half. That was a factor. I think the game was so high tempo, it just became a bit stretched later on and the dog actually became a slightly bit more ragged compared to what they, they usually would. I even watch you watch back the, the winning goal and I mean Shields was, was forward like trying to press on and had a big defensive run back mm. before Jack Byrne scored and they just didn't get the bodies around them and it was just it was a it was a bit unlike them. They conceded a goal from a set piece at two one ahead. When he, so I actually think that Rovers were more dominant in the game in Tala last season that they lost than they were on Friday. But on Friday, in the key moments of the game, they hung in, they delivered, they they got through the rough patches, and then they they prevailed when they had the strong patches. But it was I mean it was a great game, and yet. You could have had an equaliser at the death mm. as well. You know, you could have yeah. had it. If you're asking your scum, where were you when this goal was scored? My answer would be I was actually watching it on my phone at Dundalk Races, leaving the track. But Dan, what was the press box area like for this? I mean, you must be just on your feet. No, well, they weren't on their feet. That's actually inappropriate decorum. But um, like, it was an extraordinary strike. Um, now we, we actually did like we were at the angle. Now subsequently another clip has come out. This like oh this wasn't as good a goal. That angle is the one in. It's like Lisa in in, in um, Jebediah Springfield. Like the the, the the myth is better than the truth. This but it's, just don't show that angle. But it's it's at great. It's, it's just at a it's at a different angle. Mm. And he, we, we knew I knew that Manus had a touch. Like that wasn't a surprise to me. And then you watch like these these views here. Um, and you know there's a slightly different perception. But to me it doesn't change the technique, the pace, Absolutely. the power, the athleticism. And that's probably what I didn't appreciate at the time I was marvelling at the almost I, I made a reference to Paul Scholes because I always yeah. think of a volley from a corner we had Tomás Campbell's what, fan, fan video as well actually which um, gave yeah, kind of a, that gives us an impression of the flight of the cross mm, as well you know? and it was like um, as much as Man has got a touch here we go like this is the ball the, just the, you get the, a real the, sense the sword, of, it, not, not, notwithstanding his right leg the, the power he has to put in that is the standing position but to get over the ball yeah. and um, funnily enough Flores and I'm sure his coaches will reflect on this he didn't have a good game that, like, so he had an amazing goal but he, he needs to do more in general play mm. if he's to be that player that maybe Dundalk needs in the centre midfield yeah. like he's, like he's clearly a talented player mm. He's like he's had a. This is his first real crack at a run of games with Dundalk. I don't think he'd played two back to back. Two worldies in a few days. But he, you know, like to actually play a couple of games back to back, he hasn't done that. But mm. I, I still think it's an exceptional strike. I don't think oh, Manus it's can, one of the best like, volleys Manus, I've ever seen. Manus couldn't keep it out. Like mm. it was, and the speed, and I think to a degree, you need to almost 
have been there to fully appreciate it, you know, to fully get a sense of just that wow factor, that moment where it just it naturally just lifts you off your seat. So um, I think it's goal of the season. I don't think there's going to be a debate. You can find any angles you want. You never know. That's not good. I don't think it's going to be Well, topped. Flores was goal of the season up until that game. Now Flores is still going he's running his own, goal. Like, he's running his own competition. Yeah, but um, it's had... a strange one for him because, like, you know, like they've lost the game. Yeah, I've, he wouldn't be human if he wasn't absolutely buzzing by this reaction that it's been seen around the world, like over six million views, probably climbing on now. America, so, so someone saying in Australia, like Mark Bosnich was uh, oh, yeah. cor correcting someone on the, the pronunciation of Dundalk on Australian TV. Like, but you can't really buy that sort of publicity. Like, like I, I've made this point about it before. Like people go to games, go, you know, go to sport in, in this country or any sporting event. Like you want to see people do things that you can't do. You want to see mm. things that kids will look at and go, Wow. You were playing Astro you know, today. I doubt you did that. Like there was, no, came back there was a, a lot of stuff that people yeah. could, you know, could not could, do. Could not, and that was, but, but in a, in a negative sense of the yeah. word, like Name they would do. Move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be one of the main Pitch things. battles. What have you got going on here? Well, this is a, a reference more so to the Cork Finn Harps game. I don't know if you saw the goal made conditions. In, in interesting Cross. one, yeah. So I, I don't know the laws of the game. Maybe Pat Finn will help us on this. I don't know if that goal from Harps should have been disallowed or but not. But there was a pitcher. There was a still mm. pitcher which does make it look like it was a foul but the striking thing about it from speaking to people that were there was that the goal actually uh, like the goal was given and the, the, the distance between the goal actually being given and the goal being disallowed um, Shane Keegan spoke over the weekend about how both teams had reset into their position and it struck me as perhaps like Liam Bossan was, was out for the count and it you would nearly look at it and think that is this a delayed response to the severity of the injury and you think oh how have we missed this that's just now Neil Doyle will have a different view we can't, well, Neil Doyle we can't, gave the goal. We can't interview referees yeah. to ask them about stuff really and according really, to Ollie you know, so. the assistant didn't initially flag for it but I mean if you look back they should be able to change their mind on something and it, it may well have been a free well, kick well I know but like, like we don't have uh, VAR here mm. like you know yeah Okay, if they reach the right decision, you probably should be well, happy. From your perspective, if, the, if if you slide in on the goalie and he's kind of on the ground, is it is it dangerous play? It was near his head. Well, you look, at the pitch, you look at the picture; it looks like a foul. But mm. like he, he almost he knew the conditions, so he he executed a slide to to make the connection and Massive the, win ball, for Cork, the ball was there. Massive win for Cork, but the point about pitch battles, you look at Talca. This is this is the flip side. You have a brilliant game on Friday in Tala, and then you look at the highlights of elsewhere. Talca's struggling. No, no fault of the clubs. Ah, Dan, we were in the middle of a storm. No, no, these are, no exactly. And mm. they're cancelled grounds in some cases and shells are leaving Tolkien. You know, like, you know, but Cork, it's been a factor. We've had, we've had games called off. We've seen Sligo Waterford and every schedule, other matches. It's just something like this weather is a problem that we have at the moment. And with our fixture schedule, it's, you know, it's it's not great for the product, and you just be a bit worried about the impact the pitchers are going to have in the coming weeks. Yeah, because we already um, had Daily Mount obviously getting a bad old dose. Yeah, the first it's game. just something that we have to be um, slightly aware of. The, the Galway freezing um, aspect we, of this. We, are we getting to Galway freezing? Well, no, 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 no. Galway is. We're already talking about Galway's, shells. Galway's fifth. Galway's yeah. fifth. No, we've Sh already mentioned shells. Uh, in what yeah. context? Like they beat St. Pat's Athletic. The pitch wasn't great. No. Okay, let's talk shells. Can we get to Galway <laughs> anyway? <laughs> no. Maybe some week we will. Because I was in Tala for like the complete antidote to what Friday was. Yeah. Was so, so shells are obviously on the on the surge. But this we, we is definitely the boy it. Dawson trying to get his way here, putting a bit of shells in there. Yeah. No, but shells is Massive great. Massive win. And they, 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 they've got experience as well. I mean, I know that there are newcomers to the Premier Division, um, but when you look at it, they've got Deegan, they've got you know players like Luke Byrne, players like Kilduff, um, and they seem to have a knack of like you don't hear people saying well, shells have played 
especially well in the games, but they have a good defensive Ryan record. As well. These and they're, just... they're, they're grinding out the results and the points. And I don't know who's going to be relegated this year. You know, normally, like in recent years, we've had maybe that one week team who's collapsed. You know, like you've had Bray and even UCD, like, you know, their squad was decimated last year. Like, I don't know this year. There's no obvious contender. Um, and while we're probably bemoaning the lack of depth beyond the top two, I think we could end up with this really, really interesting relegation race this year because I think, honestly, it could swing in a many, any variety of uh, directions. But we'll do a bit of Galway because it actually is a story. Um, the, it was just the, the, the nature of the, the game. The game should have been called off. You were there, right? yeah, was there was... any sense with 20 minutes to go that the game was? like? Was there people looking around asking the question? Well, uh, was, people, was, was players... Managers talking to the officials about it. Can you see I, that? Not, not really. And I think um, Alan Murphy at halftime like took off a player who was basically blue. But I think he was so wrapped up in both his centre backs being injured, he didn't he, wrapped he didn't, up as an unfortunate. Term, yeah, so. he didn't know what to do. But the, the the ball would not stay stationary at corner at the corner flag several times. Yeah, I mean apparently it wasn't mentioned in the del match report, delegates report mm. afterwards. But it shouldn't have come no. to that. I think it, there has to be some lessons learned from it. Definitely. Come back for uh, part two of the show. We have Pat Fenlon. Welcome back. Don't forget you can get us on the podcast format and on YouTube as well, uh, but mainly the TV show. And Pat Finnan, uh, a veteran of TV shows at this stage, but probably not a veteran of many games like Friday night. Absolutely. No, it was, it was a special game. Um, it was just one of them games. And I think from the start, um, because the hype around both clubs and both teams, um, I, I was expecting a really decent game. I know there's a little bit of talk, maybe a little bit negative, but... I didn't see it that way. I thought the two of them would have a right go at each other and in fairness to both uh, teams, they certainly did that. You were a midfield general in the day. What did you think <coughs> of the midfield battle in general? Because I'd slightly disagree with Dan here in that as much as Dundalk had a patch, I thought they were struggling for large parts of the game actually in midfield. I thought Rovers started really well. Um, you know, But I thought for that 20 minutes, Dundalk played probably the best I've seen them play for a while. Um, even last season, I thought they were at it. and. You know, but again, Rover showed that character come back in. I didn't think the midfield players were as good as they can be. I didn't think Shields was as good as he can be. I didn't think Jack Bourne's as good as he can be. You know, so it's fairly it was harsh on Jack, is it? No, not really. I thought I expect I expect them to be. You know, I thought his pass was off. He scored a great goal in the end, and probably because we expect a fair bit from him. And the same with Shields. I thought Shields was off off the game as well. And um, so I just thought it was, you know, it it was. Tactically a good game, but I think both sets of players are sort of let play and go and, go and seek and they win the game. Um, I think one point that's missing from it is probably if you take Rovers losing Bork and Gary O'Neill, two big players for them. And early on in the game. And I think, yeah, well, I, I, and, and that's a big one as well mm. for them in the game. But I, th I think they're two players that would start for Rovers. Um, you know, and Bork is going to be a big player for Rovers this year, I believe. I, I believe that Rovers think, I know they brought in Gaffney, but I think they think that Bork will contribute 15-20 goals in the season on the back of what he did before he went to Preston. So he was a big loss for them. So for them to come through it and win the game with missing them too, and like you say, Joey O'Brien getting injured, it's a massive win for them. What was the vibe like from the managers afterwards? Because obviously Dundalk would very rarely go from being 2-1 up to losing again. Well, I think that was the basic point of any part made. And I think he was particularly frustrated by the, the second goal, the, the Lopez header, because... At that stage, you almost think that the dog are going to manage the game with their experience, and they don't really concede too many goals like that. I mean, it was a routine enough set piece, you know, and, and I think that that killed them a bit. And yeah, I didn't necessarily elaborate too much beyond that. I mean, Stephen Bradley was sort of, of course, in great form, and 
when you look at it, they've, this season from last, I mean, they were one point against Dundalk last year, what, they, they eventually beat Bowes in the Cup semi-final, but in league, you know, they did a dreadful record. They've scored late goals against both of them. They've also finished the game strongly as well, and I, I think one difference for Rovers as well, if you look at their changes on Friday, that they brought on Joey, so they lost Joey O'Brien, they were able to bring on Scales, and then they were able to bring on Gaffney to give them something different. You look at the early part of last season against Dundalk, they went up there at the start of the season, they had to play young James Furlong in one of the matches because mm. they were tight. I think in Europe, remember Lee Grace was sent off, they had no defender on the bench. They just have options now that they maybe yeah. didn't have before. And actually, in a bizarre way, Dundalk probably had to bring in players who were new enough to the league and actually we're probably more untested in a way than, than Rovers in a bizarre way. I, I think that's the difference with the squads at the moment. I think Rovers have invested in their squad. You know, they've given Stephen the resources to go and have a right go at Dundalk and he's done that well. He brought in good players. And that is a big difference. When you lose Burke, you lose O'Neill, you lose Joey O'Brien in the game. They've had players to come in and be able to do the job where last season they might have been a little bit short if they'd have been missing them three players. So uh, looking strong at the moment. But again, as a game, it was a very, very good game. I thought it was a part in the second half that dropped a little bit, but then it came again. You know, and the last the last 15, 20 minutes was fantastic, I thought. Absolutely I brilliant. Think, I think self-belief-wise as well for Sean Rovers and that. Uh, Stephen Bradley referenced this, uh, I think, before the game, that kind of Sligo, Bowes and Rovers were their sort of hoodoo teams last year. <laughs> Whatever about Sligo, like against Bowes mentally, I think they were having problems because they were losing so many games. Against Dundalk, they couldn't get over the line. They've now comfortably enough beaten Bowes in their last, fairly comfortably two, and they've won their last three against them. They've now kind of beaten, Sham they've kind of beaten Dundalk in their last two games and mentally they just seem to have this belief now that they're going to eke out wins and it must be a big advantage for them trying to win the title. Yeah, and it can be small margins as well. You know, if you take it last year, the Bowes games, I mean, did a couple of decisions went against them that were very harsh as well. Yeah. You know, and, then, and then you take it and, and Dan made a good point, Lopez last minute clearance uh, last Friday. They're things that can go against you on certain nights. So, you know, we earned that right as well and you earned that look for them to, by working harder and I, I think the different, their squad is much stronger. You know, they have invested in the squad. They've got some really good players in there. And when they lose one or two, they're able to, to bring in players that are more than capable of standing. And I think that's what Dundalk have had for a period of time. If they lose players, they brought in players that are more than capable of stepping up. Um, the thing about it now is a challenge for Dundalk. You know, I said before the game, right, there was two things in it for me. It's the hunger Rovers, you know, and have Dundalk still got that drive and determination to keep winning. Winning the way they've done over a long period of time is very, very difficult to sustain, mm. you know, and to keep doing that. And now it's a challenge to them because people are now talking about Rovers being the main, main challenge to them. They've had Cork on their heels for a period of time, and in fairness to Cork, they won a few trophies as well. But it's a big, big ask for Dundalk now to come back as well and try win another league title. Uh, that's going to be interesting. I mean, their response to defeats in recent seasons has been one of the things that's defined them. They've gone on these big runs mm. after losing. and But it's, like they have new players. I know McElhenney will come back and He's they have key, been missing him. But they're trying to you know introduce players who they haven't been in the league before. So And they go to Finn Harps on Friday, which I think is actually a real sort of... It's, a, it's actually a, a real challenging fixture coming off the back of it. So they've Kolovic, the Serbian guy, they're trying to integrate him. Mm. Slogat is still, they've, you know, they've had Shields and Benson or Shields and McElhinney. Slogat's still trying to find his way. Cameron Smith, Will Patching. They're just, they're just finding their way a small bit. And, but I think Rovers, and I think the one thing I took from Friday is I don't think these teams are going to drop too many points elsewhere. No. That's the point. You can't, you can't, so you, 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 you know, you can't be slack. Like you need to, both of them are going to have to maintain a winning, winning run to keep up with each other. I don't, think, I don't think the strength is there to challenge them regularly enough that you can afford to ease your way into it. They just have to start winning. You I think you would, one thing you got to be careful is you can't write Dundalk off. They're a very, well, they very good team. They've got some fantastic players and 
and is right. There's a few of them coming in that are finding their way in the league. It's not an easy league to play in, you know. So, but Pat, what, what if Rovers lose Jack Byrne in the summer, for example? Then does does everything change in the narrative? Because you no, can't see them. So. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I think Jack is a, is a big part of what they have, but I think they've got a lot of good players in that position. You know, uh, I'm not sure they're going to lose Jack Bourne in the summer, to be honest, but um, he seems to be happy playing his football here and it would have to be life-changing for him to go and move away, I'd imagine, at this stage. So, I don't think so. I think what Rovers have now is they're able to go and replace... No players are replaceable. If they lose him, I'm sure they'll go and try to bring someone in. Or, I've heard Steve... And it's the one area of the team that they are really, really strong. If you take into account, like I said, Gary O'Neill is missing in that team. Dylan Watts comes into it. Bulger comes into it. So, they've got some uh, real, real quality midfield players. We will discuss this a little bit more in part three, but uh, Pat was making the point that the distance between those two and the rest, it doesn't seem to have exactly shortened in the off-season. No, I don't think so. I think it's got wider. I think both of them have strengthened. And I think, you know, if you look at both of them sides and, and you take you take into the game on Friday as well, the one thing I take from you, you look at the conditioning of both teams, you know, the fitness levels of both teams, really strong. And you look what they have behind them. You know, and and saying about trying to catch up and working together, it's really difficult when you've got the resources both of them clubs at the moment. It's it's difficult for other clubs, and and it's a different league for other clubs as well because some of them other clubs will be thinking we just need to stay in this league. Others will be thinking is there an opportunity with Europe? You know, so they all have little different agendas and 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 where they want to be as clubs. So, but I think the two of them are a long, long way ahead of them. You, you you made the point about you don't know who's going to go down, but it doesn't look exactly apparent who's going to finish third or fourth at the moment. No, and I think both shells is going to be a really interesting game on on Friday. Now I know it's the TV, you know, it's the air game, and the two clubs you know very well, and like you hope it's going to be a great occasion, but you like it's you just know it's going to be a different. You know, quality of a, of a, of affair you would think, but it's hard. I mean, like it's it's sort of an open. House in behind. I don't know what you think, Pat. Your thoughts on the race for third or such. Or it's early days probably with some of the clubs, isn't it? It is. When you look at some of them, shells have come up, obviously, and people would think, well, you know, a team coming up is always in danger of maybe going straight back down. I don't think it will be. I think they've recruited really well. You know, Bowes have had that getting to Europe last year. There's a bit now expectancy for Bowes this year. Mm. Can they finish third? You know, I think people are expecting that to happen. Big squad as well. Yeah, they have a big squad. They've signed a lot of players and again, the club have backed the manager which is great to see. You know, and then there's Derry, I think Derry have a really decent squad. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job there as a manager. You know, so you're probably realistically looking at the teams that should be battling now for. I mean, Pats for me should be battling for that third position. I think Pats have underachieved over the last couple of. It has been a shaky Already start. Already lost two games. I've seen him against Waterford, and again going back to, to last season, where the where the goals coming from, I think is going to be Pats' problem. Waterford again, I think if Waterford can stay in that league, they'll be happy. Hearts will be thinking the same. You know, so it is interesting to see who can finish in that third and fourth position, and, and it, it does allow. You know some of the other clubs. We forget Cork, who've been a huge club Big over the last four for or five the years. Weekend. It was a massive win because you know they needed it just from a pressure point of view as well. And Neil gone in there. It's just it, it's it's you want to get points on the board quickly, don't you? And they've got some tough games coming up, so it was a big win for Cork. Relief for Neil Finn. Oh, like yeah, badly needed. And they had a couple of wobbles in the game, it seems. But yeah, I mean it's a new group of players. We, we spoke about it last week. They're still learning the league, and um, at least they have a few points, you know, three points in the board now to try and give them some kind of foundation. But I think you know, Pat's Cork on Friday is a, sort of an interesting game as well in terms of where they're both at. Welcome back to YouTube uh, and the podcast. It actually looks like somebody uh, from a live studio audience just handed me a note. But it does say from Conal at Conal Megan 13, after Rovers vs Dundalk, best LOI games in your memory. Ooh. Some good memories here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Some it, involving yourself, I hope. 
Yeah, I played in a few good ones, all right. Um, probably one of the better ones I played in was at Daly Mount. I think when Dermot was the manager of Shells, we beat both 6 4. Um, I think we were coasting at one stage 4 1. They got back to 4 3, and we ended up winning 6 4. But it was, a, it was just one of them games. It was just goals galore and a bit manic at times. Also have you played. been to his bar in Lanzarote yet? I, I haven't, no. Jim he, was there the other day. I've seen that, yeah, yeah. Jim is over there. It's great to see Jim looking well as well. So, you know, Dermot's uh, living her up at the moment. Yeah. You know, could never see him run the bar in Lanzarote <laughs> when I played under him. But He's still doing a blog as well in the league from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he just does a blog hammering Fran Gavin and a few other people every couple of weeks. And then he, like, goes back and then, you know, it follows on from there. It, it does look a great little enclave for uh, League of Ireland fans over there, but other games anyway that come Yeah, uh, if probably the other stands out was actually playing for was against Shells. Funny enough, the game this weekend we beat Shells four one in Tolka, which was a big win for us. We, you know, it was a year of I think it was a year where it was a three way playoff. It was a bit of a bit of a shambles at the end, but it was probably one of the better performances I played in in the Bowes team. You know, so there were so many of them. Like I suppose in relation to goals, there's loads of them, and yeah. then there's games where you maybe win a league and they're not as good, or win a cup and you know they're not as good. So. Probably too many to think there's, of. There's two different moment. grades, isn't there? Like, there's the high-scoring games and there's the high-quality games. And I think, actually, I like Friday because I had a bit of both. I had goals, but it was actually a good level. Like, you think of... Uh, you know, you think of a 6-4, the, the Rovers 4-1 back to 6-4. Sanctuary massacre. Dave Smith getting thrown under the bus afterwards mm. by, by Rico. and That was a great game, but like that was like in Sanctuary, the pitch was cutting up. Maybe was it a great advert in the way that you would use that term about Friday... But then, like, you would, you would also think of, and I was sort of mentioning to Pat off air, like, I think around 05, 06, like, you had Shells, Cork, Derry, even Drada. I remember, like, and that's the thing about, like, there was four good teams. I remember you'd be going to just, that was a high-quality game. Not necessarily an epic, like, memorable, you'd won then in mm. Cork, I think, which you won, and um, it wasn't like this is in a, a, a thrill-a-minute game you're thinking this is a good good level, it's a good match. And there's some of the cup finals as well. I know it's sort of talking mm. about league games, but the Derry-Pats Cup final, the the last one in the old Lansdowne, even the Sligo draw the one had a drama in it. You know, like there was mm. the, the little chip over the wall by uh, Joey and Doe, wasn't it? So we've had some good ones, but I think Friday really, I think it set a pretty high bar in terms of recent memory. I don't know if you, you have any, any of your own memories. Remember the Dock and Galway had one back in the day on a Monday night. It was a cup it was a cup replay. It was like 4-3. Yeah. The, game, the game should have been called off, I think. It that, was, uh, that, that's gone back a good while now. That's gone back slightly before Jumbo Brennan time. played. Like, Nin mid-90s, mid Yeah, mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, that was an insane... One of the, like, that was, I was at that game as a kid. It was just, this is incredible. But it uh, would have been called off now without a shadow of a doubt. One of my favourites would have been... Um, Galway United losing 3-2 to Derry City but Liam Coyle scoring one of the best goals I've ever seen and just I suppose realising at that time that uh, not, not enough people appreciate how good a player like he was but I, I have to say Pat the, the standard has gone up where we maybe expect kind of there was so much quality in that game Friday I think that makes a good point there the 6-4 in the Martin Stadium that time the days of winter football it was a lot more kind of rushed and frantic but I, I thought technically the game had an awful lot going for it on Friday, and I don't think that's unusual now. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm not, I'm not 100% that it, the standards improved dramatically. Um, from I think, your I, era, yeah, yeah. Well, even from playing or managing, I think, with, like and said, that time where, where I managed Shells, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd, and you'd sport and Fingal as well in there who were spending money. That you'd, period, you'd the draw, level was you'd very bowls, good. You'd Pats, yeah. you'd Cork. A lot of good, good teams, a lot of good players, you know. I think at the moment we'd probably two teams that are a long, long way ahead. And it's an interesting point you talked about earlier on about pitches. You look at Dalymount, you look at Tolka, you look at Bally Buffet, and then you look at Talla. So there's no excuse for a pitch to be bad. 
in my eyes. You know, Tala was. I walked the pitch in Tala. It was soft in areas, but it was absolutely. Immac- I will. Immac- I will say though, Pat, in the in like it probably rains twice as much in the west than the east. Generally, <laughs> that's actually factually. I think true. But it's, I think it rains. What's ha- yeah, but I think what's happening. Sorry to cut across you. I think what's happened with Tala is that Tala, as a ground, is like. Uh, you know, this has been used like it's hosting women's internationals 21. Yeah, it was, it, 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 was still waterlogged on Saturday. But the problem yeah, I have yeah, this, I mean. is, this, this is our showpiece league. This is mm. the biggest league in the country. If Tallaght can be in the condition it can be in, Tolka can be in the condition. Daily Mount, they're all council on ground. Surely they can all be in the same. No, I agree. I think I think part of Daily Mount, the first game against Rovers was scandalous, and Tolka hasn't been good the games I've seen. So it's no, and they're the little things that can let us down as a league. Mm. You know, you're talking about a standard of quality of football. If you give the players something decent to play on, or, or most times they produce but a decent. But game. in your in your era, right? <laughs> if you if you played in summer football era, I, I believe it would have been a different standard because the pitches were invariably quite bad in those days. I mean, and yeah, I, I, listen, that that can it's I, a bit I, of an excuse now. Well. It is, but again, I, I can relate back to the winter football, as you call it, and the best team to ever play in the league that I've seen was Shamrock Rovers in the 80s. You know, they played through all them pitches. Milltown was a carpet, but they had to go and travel away. So it can, it can, it, it definitely can help. And I think the one thing summer football has, has done, it allows teams to train more. It allows them to train longer on better surfaces as well in, in daylight, not having to train under floodlights or maybe in car parks like we did back in the day. Mm. You know, so that has improved the game. You've met, you've met an interesting <coughs> point there. So that Rovers team of the 80s, to your mind, was the best League of Ireland team in your sort of lifetime or from what you remember. So comparable to the Dundalk 2016 team or the Shells team that you managed, they were still the best oh absolutely yeah right. you know I, I think that that and again people go back forward to other great sides but that Rovers team is the best team I've seen I'd, I'd, I'd love them to put them in this area where it's full time and, and being able to just concentrate on the football but they're some fantastic players absolutely fantastic mm. players. I think that is one of the interesting points about the league and the time which we've probably watched it that when we started watching it like say in the 90s it was wholly part time and mm. probably a lot of players I've always thought this that if they'd had the opportunity now when they came home from England, say Tony to, to be in to, to be in the Rovers and Dock environment, mm. what could they have done? Like I, I think maybe if levels have improved now, it's probably the it's the probably the conditioning and, and athleticism rather than say footballing ability. Yeah, and that's where I go yeah. back to the point of even the summer football training. I started at St Pat's. We trained behind the shed end in Inchicore in that the sheep were still on that were going to get slaughtered. It was just a muck bat. Lights were really bad. I was half blind at the time anyway. So it made like it worse. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was just... So if you actually think of back then, to, and we won a league on the back of that, you know, to, to know what the players have. And that's great because it's improved and that's what you wanted. But it's difficult to compare eras as well because it's, that Dundalk team has been absolutely fantastic. Well, whatever about comparing eras, how, how do we compare north and south at the moment? You're obviously uh, in Linfield day-to-day... Um, the, the the league up there goes over the heads of a lot of people down here, sadly enough. And um, mm. you were just telling me there, Bastian Erie's not really getting his game at the moment. I didn't even know that. I just yeah. assumed he was. So what's going on up there? You've, you're 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 finishing the league, or you're finishing? Yeah, we're on we're on the home straight anyway. now. Yeah, we're we've two games left before it splits into uh, top and bottom. So it'll be interesting. We're we're four points ahead at the moment. So it's a tight league. You know, there's probably been up till the last couple of weeks. There's probably been four or five teams that could win it. It's probably dropped off maybe to two or three now. So. We had a sticky spell last few weeks. We've been very good. So we're hitting a little bit of form at the right time, which is brilliant. But it's a tough league. I mean, I played in it as well. It's a tough league to play mm. in as well. Uh, Standard-wise, compared to the two leagues, I would think the league down here is a little bit stronger at the moment. There's no doubt with that. I think the Dundalk-Linfield result proved that in the United Union Cup final. So, um, But we're making strides, and they're making strides up there. There's two or three clubs now looking to, uh, at the full-time model as well. So but it'll take a bit of time to catch up, I would think. Yeah, I suppose the All-Ireland League chat has gone fairly quiet then. 
Uh, yeah, it has. I mean, I think it's, it hasn't gone away, but I, I think they're obviously... I, I don't mind it going quiet so much because I think where things were left was that clubs are looking for more information and looking for a bit more detail, and you would assume that they're off in the background doing that. Um, so... I mean, there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, I mean, we we are start like we have again. We have the new authorities running the FBI. I don't know. I was interested in Pat's views on this. We've we've heard early noises from from Niall Quinn and from I guess from Roy Barrett and and the the new people that it does seem that the league is going to be more front and center. Even privately, you're hearing that there's things there that things are going to happen in the next some announcements or stuff in the next while are probably going to happen. So. Like again, even even goes back to pitches and the presentation and the product and stuff. I think a lot of this stuff can be centralised to some degree. I know the clubs have to have their own responsibility and pride, but again, if you're talking about increased funding and whatever it might be, I think you know you have to prioritise pitch maintenance and a level and a standard that you know that you're not just giving clubs to the money to to squander it. You know that you're actually improving the product. But I don't know what you think, Pat. As someone who probably would have been quite critical of the if we can call it the old FEI now. I don't know if we can use those terms yet, but are you sort of encouraged by what you've heard thus far from the new people? Yeah, I'm encouraged. Um, you know, you want to see change and you want to see quickly and probably want to see a little bit quicker than it's happening for me. Um, I think there's some good people have gone in there, so you're hoping that they're allowed to start the process and continue that process to, to, to develop the game. The big, the big difference for me and the key for me is that the League of Ireland has been at the top of the discussion. Mm. For years, we've always been... You know, to hear the League of Ireland being mentioned even in the Dáil or, you know, politicians mention it, that's, that's, that's unheard of for their yeah. league. So, and the people have come in have now seen that there's a product there. There's also the, the, the fact that, you know, we've got to start producing players at national level, you know, and it's getting more and more difficult for young players going away. So we need to give them an alternative here, which means the league has got to develop to get better. You know, so I'm hopeful at the moment probably hopeful is the, is, is the word I know I know. you make a good point about this that we, we're almost like really paranoid about what others think of the league and the standard and all that but Mick McCarthy genuinely seemed like he was like this is a great adversity for the League of Ireland the other night and I was like I know he missed the Jack Byrne goal but at the same well, time yeah, well, yeah I mean the, the, the FEI book of quotes I think were used there I wouldn't be going playing, placing too much stock on the quotes that he used but like yeah, that was a good game but with that that's not the norm you we know? need a lot we more than that. We, need we, need, we, need, more. we need more of that mm. um, but I, I do think that that and I think that's the significant point that Pat makes that it's actually part of the discussion like even that goal was in the Late Late Show on Friday night after and stuff and like again you know it was packaged it, was, it went around the world quickly like it's, it's all part of uh, being a modern league but like, I do think that in a weird way that day in the doll before Christmas when Shane Ross, without probably thinking, said, oh, if the, if the FBI goes, the league goes. I think in time that will be remembered as a quite an important day mm. because there was a backlash from that. I think, you know, the league had been beaten down to the point where the, 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 the clubs nearly thought that to, to lobby politically, they had to do it all through the yeah. FAI. You know, they didn't really... And, and that was partly through their own weakness and maybe, you know, they just didn't understand that the power that they had. And they were able to actually, in the, in the aftermath, go, hang on, we contribute to communities, we employ in communities, you know, we bring something that maybe it's not everywhere, it should be more widespread, but there's still like a couple of hundred like employees that are as affected by this as the staff in Abbottstown. And that, I think, will go down as a day that was important because all of a sudden politicians, were, and I noticed, were on the back foot. They were rattled by the criticism they were getting and then they're hosting meetings and they have to come out and be seen to follow up on it. Well, so 
was like, you have to build in this momentum now yeah, and not let it go. Absolutely. It was like the was the James Conley line, the great only appear great because we're on our knees and the League of Ireland clubs were downtrodden. And when you look at today, uh, or yesterday rather, the HRI, Horse Race Nardin brought out this five-year plan, speaking about more government money coming in and football has just plodded along, biggest participation sport in the country. And you mentioned that this is this is rare that there's actually, it's even brought up in the doll. Yeah, but I think that, that was a position that we were put in you know, that was where we were in the box to say... Within the football community? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think that was, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the game, the League of Ireland is the top game in this country and it should be at the top of the game in the country and it should be making involved in the big decisions that are made in this country, you know, and I don't think that's been the case over a long period of time, you know. But again, some of that, again, the clubs have to take responsibility for, you know, did they were they strong enough to speak up, you know, and, and probably not at the time. But it was difficult for a lot of them as well because, you know, they needed people within the association to be bailing them out at times. So but I think that the fact I think it's rather than look back, I think it's to look forward and you've got people now to ha have an interest in developing the well, game. Do you believe in Niall Quinn, for example? I, d I believe Niall has an interest in developing the game here. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a, I think he has an interest. I mean, Niall is not coming from a League of Ireland background, but he knows that, you know, even going back to the young players that have gone away and he's done that, that that's not healthy at times for some young players and to be able to keep them at home. So I think to develop the clubs, we have to have an alternative. They're still going to go at the moment because we don't really have many alternatives. You see Rovers doing a bit of work in relation to the academy and some of the other clubs, but there's no real alternative to keep these kids here. You know, so I think that's part of the, the development structure as well. Not just the League of Ireland, but the always structure of the clubs within the League of Ireland mm. to make them pillars of the community and make sure that you know there's plenty of work going on and make the product better. That's what it's about, is making it. If you make the product better, as you've seen last week in Tallaght, people will come and watch it. And it's peculiar because if you look at the gates for the last few weeks, I take Shells, for instance, and the, the great team, Shells team that I had, or one of the ones that I played in, we just struggled to get 3,000 people mm. to watch them. You know this shells there team. There is a buzz pattern. Yeah, no, there is, and, yeah. and that, but it's why I don't, and I'm not, I'm asking the question. I don't know why that buzz is there. A lot of the social media. I, I think, think so, with shells yeah. is the fact that they were out of the league for so long as well. But Pat's Pat's got a very good crowd for their Absolutely. first game. And um, Derry have had two very good. But crowds. the key to that, and he is, is maintaining it. Yeah. If shells, shells at the moment are at a point where they're getting three thousand people. If shells can maintain three thousand people for every home game. They well, won't have any financial I, I, do, I think on Niall Quinn, though, for example... But Shells he, are going to have eight games in a month at some stage, yeah. too, and that's what's going but, to... But Niall Quinn, them, like the, the timing of the Flores goal and that game, I think, in terms of... Lots of people are kind of now more conscious of the league or they know more. Niall Quinn can say, well, this is kind of what we have or we could have, but we could be so much more. Yeah, I don't know what the reasons for it is. I think there's been a bit of an awakening for whatever reason. I think Bowes have done extremely well and they've made it a night out. So, you know, it's, it's not just about the levels of the football, it's about the experience. And, and like we always talk about match day experience. And, you know, there's, that's clearly a bit of a buzz. But, mm. I, I, like I, you know, I always say early season crowds can be a bit misleading. Like They're good every year, generally. Um, but there is something, I think, in Dublin... I feel, I sense it. I don't know where it is. I think is it a is it a backlash at the, the Premier League becoming yeah, so I, so soulless mm. that you I think there's a part of that. Identity. And I think there is a part of that that people are sort of a little bit fed up with what's going on, watching it on the box and seeing the stuff that's going on. And I think like you say, social media is a huge part of playing it as well. But we have seen early season crowds being good, but they're they're a lot better than they've been. Yeah, no, they you know, are. And, something and if they can maintain that and that's the challenge for Bowes have done it. In fairness, Bowes have maintained their crowds because like you say the game is part of the night, but it's not that everything of the night mm. is the biggest part of it, but they're able to maintain their crowds there. Can Shells do that? Can Pats do that? We've seen a drop-off in Cork's crowd because mm. the team has probably dropped off in standard. So it's trying to... And that's where the big issues for clubs is that, you know, air supporters, not, not the supporters, the genuine supporters will go, 
more people will go if they're winning. But once they start to drop, and in Shell's case is going to be a good example, they're at a good level now, they've won a couple of games. If they have a little dodgy spell, which they will have in the season, does that yeah. drop off drastically or is it just a, a small drop well, off? So there's, there's not one person among the 7,500 who was at that game Friday who wouldn't want to go again. But uh, what are you looking forward to the weekend, particularly another interesting well, I'm going to see, see Pats and Cork because I haven't seen Pats yet. So I'm just interested to see what, what Pats are like and I would have expected them to be a bit better. But I suppose the flip side, it is an early season for some of these teams and you hope maybe after 10, 11 games they'll get better. And maybe it's just that the Dalkin Rovers are so established that it's hard, but you'd be a small bit alarmed. That's what I'm looking forward to. See how Dundalk respond even up to Harps. I think that's a tricky game. I actually Big think time. that's a really, that's a test for them coming off the back of uh, last weekend. You're up in Belfast during the weekend, do you? No, we've, uh, we've no game. We're away on Saturday, but I'll be in Daly Mount on obviously walking for the game on Friday. I'm looking forward to uh, Shell's I completely forgot about that. Do you remember where we are, John? Yeah, because yeah, no, yeah. it has it read it out a few minutes yeah. when he was actually on it. <laughs> it hasn't happened for a while, and and again, you're going back to rivalry. You know, when I was playing for, for, for Shell's, we had a huge rivalry with Pats at the time. Pat Dolan, Ollie, you know, built, and it was brilliant. Characters. You know, they were they were brilliant for the game because they drove and the gates were brilliant. We had that rivalry with Bowes when I was a manager. We saw in Crowey and Bobby Ryan and Hawkins, and it caused absolute mayhem. Mm. And going back, you're there. smiling now, even thinking. <laughs> yeah, about it, it was brilliant. It, it, yeah. yeah, it was. It was, but it drove the rivalry, and that's what you that's need in the amazing. game. You need characters to drive the rivalry game. So I'm looking forward to going back to to Daily Man. I think it'll be a cracking game. I think we can safely say that Dundalk Shamrock Rovers rivalry is only getting going. Thanks a million to Pat for coming in, and we will, of course, see Pat on the box on Friday. I forgot about that. Uh, thanks a million for watching and listening. We'll see you next week.